Hey everyone, welcome to A Cowgirl and a Horse. I'm your host, Katrina. Today's episode is about Cushing's disease. If you have not heard of it before, then I definitely encourage you to keep listening because an alarming percentage of horses will get this disease and in the end, it is fatal. The disease has impacted me in particular because I lost my pony Patty to Cushing's earlier this year. I will post a picture of Patty on my Instagram and Facebook. He was super cute and it was really a tragedy when he left this world. But before we get into that, I have a favor to ask. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast if you are getting any value or enjoyment out of these episodes. It will help to ensure that the podcast gets out to other people just like you and that I'm able to continue making contact content just like this. Also be sure to follow A Cowgirl and Her Horse on Facebook and Instagram where I post all sorts of photos and videos about my horses. So with that being said, let's get into this week's episode. It seems like as a horse owner, there's always something you could use or need or want when it comes to your horses. I've found that horse.com is a great place to meet those needs. Whether you need a new pair of bell boots because your latest pair have completely fallen apart from being used too many times, or are looking to try a new bit, horse.com is your place to find what you need. Head over to a cowgirlandherhorse.com slash deals to get 10% off your entire order at horse.com. You'll also find there a list of all my favorite products, including Classic Equine's Legacy 2 boots and Ariat's Fat Baby boots, which are my favorite boots to wear around the barn. Again, that's a cowgirlandherhorse.com slash deals. Earlier this year, I had to make the tragic decision that my pony, Patty, needed to be put down. I would say that it was probably the hardest decision that I've had to make in my life up to this point. So let me explain. I first bought Patty back in the summer of 2017 as a companion for my gelding junior. 400 bucks and he was mine. I didn't know his age or anything like that. Uh, I knew that he was broke to ride and to drive and that he was super, super cute. I loaded him up in my trailer and brought him home. Fast forward to February of 2019. It was a freezing cold winter. Most days out of that month, were below minus 30 degrees Celsius. And I worried constantly about Patty because he was so skinny at that point. I could see his ribs and despite giving him as much feed as he could eat, he didn't put on any weight. 
He made it through the winter, but he did not look good. His ribs and hips were protruding, and overall, he just didn't look like the happy pony that he once was. As winter rolled into spring, Paddy didn't shed his winter coat. His coat was long and shaggy and dull, despite me grooming him every day. I did some Googling and figured that my first plan of attack would be to deworm him and just hope that that would help the situation. So I gave him some paste and told myself that I would give him a couple of weeks to see if there was any change. And if not, then I would take him to the vet. So there wasn't any improvement. In fact, he seemed to be getting worse. I put him on full grass and just like it was in the winter, uh, it didn't make a difference. He didn't put on any weight. So I made the decision to take him to the vet to see what was going on. And that was the day that my world fell apart. <laughs> Patty was diagnosed with Cushing's disease that day. And at that point, not only did he look horrible, but he was, you know, he was having trouble standing. He seemed wobbly, kind of like a stiff wind would just knock him over. The vet told me that I could start treating Patty with daily medication that would help his condition, but that it would probably just be, it, it definitely would be just prolonging the inevitable. So I took Patty home and took some time to think about what I should do. Sure, I could prolong Patty's life for a while, maybe make him feel better. But then I thought, well, what if he doesn't get better? Or what if he got better for a little while and then went downhill again after a few months? So I made the decision to put him down, which gives me shivers right now just it breaks my heart all over again thinking about it I cried and cried that day and the next day and the next day and the next day you know I would cry myself to sleep my husband met with the vet when they came to put Patty down I just couldn't handle myself being around that so my husband took care of it and we buried him up in front of a tree near our arena our outdoor arena and, you know, to this day, thinking about how the last few months of his life were so terrible makes me so sad. Thinking about the fact that he's gone makes me sad. And the fact that I didn't know what to do with him sooner and that I didn't recognize his symptoms makes me mad at myself, to be honest. Before all this happened with Patty, I didn't know anything about Cushing's disease. I may have heard of the name before, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you anything about it. And as such, I thought this would be a good topic to cover on the podcast. Even though you have never heard of the disease before, doesn't mean that it isn't around. As a responsible horse owner, I think it's your responsibility to know what this disease is all about and how it presents so that you can identify it early and quickly take action. And, you know, regardless of the fact that I'm mad at myself for not doing something sooner, there's nothing I could have done to 
change Patty's fate. As you'll learn as I go through this episode, it's kind of a, your fate's kind of written in stone once you have a horse diagnosed with Cushing's. Um, I also, before we start, I will say that you need to keep in mind that I am not a veterinarian. While I have thoroughly researched Cushing's disease, I am not in any means an expert on this condition. If you suspect that your horse or pony is having issues, please call your vet ASAP and let them make a proper diagnosis. This episode is only meant to give you some introductory knowledge about the disease and some basic tips on how you can manage a horse that has been diagnosed with Cushing's. So with that being said, let's get into it. Although it's commonly referred to as Cushing's disease, the proper term is pituitary pars intermedia dysfunction or PPID. So when a horse has Cushing's or PPID, I'm just going to call it Cushing's, they have a growth on the pars intermedia, which is part of the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland is responsible for the production of hormones and basically ensuring that the body keeps a status quo. Uh, As the growth on the pars intermedia grows, excessive hormones start getting secreted into the body. One hormone in particular that gets secreted in excess is one that I won't even try to pronounce, but is known as ACTH, and it impacts cortisol levels. Cortisol, for those of you who don't know, is the stress hormone produced by the adrenal glands. You can think of cortisol as the body's built-in alarm system. It's best known for your fight-or-flight response, but it's also responsible for a whole bunch of other things, including you know, managing how your body uses carbohydrates, fats, and proteins, keeping inflammation down, keeping your blood pressure down, and controlling the sleep cycle. When excessive cortisol is secreted, It's incredibly hard on the body. You can think about a person who is chronically stressed out. Eventually, their body just starts wearing down. And the same thing happens here. Muscles will start wasting away. Insulin resistance could develop. The animal could become more susceptible to infection and on and on. Any way you look at it, it's a bad situation. And unfortunately, All horses are at risk for Cushing's, all of them. An estimated 20 to 30% of horses will develop it, making it the most common endocrine condition of horses. That being said, it is most frequently diagnosed in older horses. Ponies, like Patty, also seem to be more frequently affected, more so than regular horses. But as far as we know, there doesn't appear to be any particular breed or sex that is more susceptible to Cushing's. I did read somewhere that Morgans are more susceptible, but I don't know if there's any truth to that. But anyways, 20 to 30% is really high. And like I said, so Cushing's 
in most cases is caused by growth on or an enlargement of the pituitary gland, causing it to be overactive. This happens because of a faulty regulation by the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus is kind of like your control center in the brain, and it regulates a whole bunch of bodily functions like thirst and hunger, body temperature, blood pressure, all those things. When it's functioning properly, the hypothalamus will keep the pars intermedia, that little part of pituitary gland, in check with the help of some dopamine-secreting nerve cells. The reason all of this happens isn't fully understood, but like in people, aging and oxidative stress over a lifetime are likely the causes of Cushing's disease developing, and that's why older horses are more susceptible. With Patty, he was a pony, so that's one strike against him, and he was older as well, so that's two strikes that made him really at high risk for Cushing's, unfortunately. And this also means you can't really, you can't prevent Cushing, Cushing's from developing in a horse or a pony, regardless of what you do. As a horse ages, they're going to be more susceptible to things like this. You kind of just need to cross your fingers that your horse isn't one of the 20 to 30% that will develop it. And for this reason, I've actually decided to never buy a pony ever again. (laughs) Even one day when I have children, they are not going to have ponies because they are more so at risk, and I just don't want to go through that heartbreak again. I will buy my kids quiet horses to ride instead. I just, I don't want to go through what I had to go through with Patty again. So as far as the signs go for Cushing's, there are some early signs to look out for. These include an abnormal coat, like Patty had. They might be really slow to shed out their winter coat if they shed it out at all. It might be dull and coarse. Their coat might even change color like along their jaw and neck and their lower legs. That hair might be lighter. Uh, They might suddenly become an easy keeper after years of not having trouble with their weight. In some horses, this may even worsen to the point where they have they start getting that crusty neck that is really a sign of a fat horse. And another early sign would be decrease, decreased performance or a decrease in energy. Some horses might have behavior changes. You know, a horse that once greeted you at the fence every morning may now stay back in the corner of his pen which I saw that with Patty. He was the type of pony that was always excited to see you and he would give out his really cute little whinny and he stopped doing that altogether. He just kind of chilled out in the shelter and that was it. He would stand with his nose in the corner. And yeah, Uh, another sign would be foot soreness. And that might have to do again with insulin resistance and gaining weight and all that kind of thing. In addition to those early signs, you can start to see other things if you don't address these issues. 
Again, their coat likely won't shed and the hair will be long regardless of what season it is. You know, it could be scorching hot out and they'll have a winter coat on. Uh, their mu muscles will start wasting away. Their top line will start to sag. And they actually might develop a pot belly. Uh, they'll de develop an increase in thirst and they'll start urinating more. And, you know, because their body is under stress, they might start developing recurring infections that'll take a long time to heal if they do at all, just because their whole immune system is compromised at this point. Some horses might start excessively sweating while others might start sweating less. So that one's kind of a tricky one. Uh, laminitis might develop. And at the very worst, you know, they might have some neurological problems. With Patty, his wobbliness, I'm not sure if it was neuro neurologically linked or if it was just the fact that he was really weak. Could have been a combination of both. I'll never know. But Unfortunately, by the time a lot of these signs show up, the horse might have a well-advanced case of Cushing's. So that's why it's important to look for those earlier signs and really, really be paying attention to your horse for any little changes. The sooner that you can see those, the sooner it can be diagnosed, and the sooner we can start treatment to at least control the progression of the disease. Um, so to officially diagnose Cushing's, a blood sam sample will be taken and tested. And even though veterinary medicine has come a long way, the blood test can kind of be inconclusive. And actually many vets will diagnose Cushing's just by the appearance of the horse. You know, it's obvious what a Cushing's horse looks like. If you just Google Cushing's horse, yeah, it's very evident when they have it. That being said, one blood test that can be done is called a dexamethasone suppression test. It's an overnight test. So a blood sample will be taken in the late afternoon. And then so after you take that sample, a low dose of dexamethasone is given intramuscularly. And then the following day around noon or so, a second blood sample will be taken. And then both samples will be tested for plasma cortisol. In normal horses, the second sample that was given after the dexamethasone was given, it would have lower levels of cortisol because dexamethasone would trigger, trigger the adrenals to slow down the production of cortisol. In a horse with Cushing's, this would not be the case and the two blood samples would likely have relatively similar levels of cortisol. Um, the second sample may show some decrease in cortisol, but not to the extent that you would see in a healthy horse. And of course, that test isn't without drawbacks. The most obvious one is the fact that a vet needs to make two visits to take the blood samples, which would cost money, right? Travel and time and just the cost of taking, giving the tests, testing the blood. Um, if you're concerned about your horse's health, it may not be an issue, but it's definitely something to consider. 
Some people also don't like this test because you're injecting dexamethasone and that can increase the risk of laminitis in horses that are predisposed to it. So for that reason, some vets do not do this test and they'll do a different test which will look at plasma ACTH. So for that test, a blood sample would be taken to test ACTH, which as I noted before, impacts cortisol levels. Horses with Cushing's will obviously have elevated levels of ACTH. And again, unfortunately, this test isn't seen as accurate as the dexamethasone suppression test because ACTH in the blood can degrade very quickly if the sample isn't handled carefully. And if the ACTH in the sample degrades, then you kind of get a falsely low level suggesting that the horse doesn't have Cushing's, even if they do. So it's, you know, like I said, lots of vets just opt to diagnose based on appearance, which I mean, in Patty's case was more than fine because there was obviously an issue. Um, it's also a good idea when you're screening for Cushing's to check the insulin status of the horse to see if they're at risk for laminitis. Cause like I said, that can be one of the signs of Cushing's, you know, most, many horses impacted by Cushing's will have some sort of insulin resistant resistance or hyperglycemia. So like I said, noticing those things and diagnosing them early on can help with managing the situation. So as far as treatment goes, there's no cure for Cushing's disease. But with careful management and appropriate nutrition and veterinary guidance, many horses and ponies continue to live with Cushing's for several years. Uh, pergolide is often given to horses with Cushing's. It helps bring that dopamine to normal levels in the pituitary, which can help control its activity and the secretion of ACTH and therefore cortisol. Uh, once on pergolide, pergolide uh, you should expect to see improvement in your horse's condition, but that improvement may be short-lived. Cushing's tends to worsen over time to the point where medication won't help. It should also be noted that pergolide doesn't improve any insulin parameters. So that means that you also need to, even if you're on pergolide, you still need to manage your horse's diet and exercise to make sure that their situation improves or at least is maintained. So once starting pergolide, um, you can usually see an improvement in the horse's demeanor and their attitude within one to two weeks of commencing treatment. But stuff like changes in their hair coat can take up to, you know, six months to show any improvement. Uh, beyond medication, you just want to make your horse as comfortable as possible, right? They're having a tough time here. So as I mentioned above, horses with Cushing's usually have the thick, long, dull coats. 
And this can definitely, if it's in the middle of summer, this can definitely cause a horse to overheat and become uncomfortable. So clipping a horse with Cushing's on a regular basis, especially in the summer, would be something you would want to stay on top of. Dental care would also be very important to prevent infections and maximize the absorption of nutrients from their diet. You know, dental problems in any horse can lead to painful chewing and will reduce their appetite and, you know, exacerbate any weight loss. So keep your horse's teeth up to date by having regular checks from either a certified equine dentist or your vet. Which one you should use will be discussed on a future podcast, I'm sure. Nutritional management would be very similar to what would be given to a horse with laminitis because, again, sometimes they come hand in hand. There's going to be a focus on maintaining a healthy body condition score and providing a diet that's you know high in fiber and low in non-structural carbohydrate. So those are the starches and sugars found in grass. That's right. Your horse probably won't be able to eat grass. In its place, you may want to consider giving a pelleted feed that is designed for older horses, for example, but... I do suggest that you work with your vet and an equine nutritionist to figure that out. But if you have a horse with Cushing's, there are some success tips that I can give you when you're trying to manage a horse like that. So you want to choose a fiber-based feed that's low in starch and sugar. Like I said, it likely won't include grass unless it's, you know, right before winter when the grass is brown and not, not much to it anymore. You want to avoid cereals and mixes. Oftentimes, those encourage rapid weight gain and can increase the chance of insulin resistance, so you have to be careful there. If you have a horse, like I mentioned, Pad, he got really skinny, so if you have a horse that weight gain is required, consider using an oil rather than grains or anything like that. I know some people try to give oats to make a horse gain weight and you don't want to do that here. Um, try and use an oil. That being said, you know, don't just top your horse's feed with oil. Try to find a feed that already has a high level of oil in it. You'll want to feed small meals throughout the day. And actually that's a piece of advice that should apply to all horses regardless of whether they have cushionings or not. Horses are grazing animals. They're meant to eat here and there throughout the day and not have one or two large meals. I have found that slow feeder hay nets are a great way to feed hay. The horses have to work for their food and therefore it slows down their consumption, spreads it out over a longer period of time. And it actually eliminates a lot of waste. So that's just a side benefit. Um, I would also say if you're going to make changes to your horse's diet, make them slowly. Especially, you know, if you're going from hay to grass, if your horse is eating grass and, you know, changing other feeds that you give them. And that applies to all horses. You know, sudden changes in a diet can result in all sorts of digestive problems for horses, including colic. So you need to be very careful with that. And I would also say you need to maintain a regular exercise program for your horse. 
it's really important that a horse with Cushing's maintains that ideal weight and regular exercise is a very important part of that. So like I said, depending on the severity of your horse's Cushing's case, they may or may not be able to graze. If your horse is able to graze, you still need to take extreme care so that they don't go downhill all of a sudden. In the spring, you especially need to be careful. Grass grows very fast in the spring and can have really high levels of sugar that can be very, very hard on a horse with Cushing's. Uh, you could consider turning a horse out late at night until the early morning. And then, you know, during that time, fructin levels are likely to be at their lowest and therefore it's easier for a Cushing's horse to digest it. If letting your horse out at night isn't an option, you have a few other possible routes you can take. You can turn them out with a grazing muzzle, which, you know, like your slow feeder net slows down their ability to eat. Uh, you can turn them out in a pen that doesn't have much grass due to it, you know, being already grazed down. Uh, some people let their horse graze with other animals like sheep or something like that. There are some people that don't recommend the, you know, turning your horse out for a short period of time because like people, it kind of encourages binging because they know they only have a small window to eat. So they just kind of gorge themselves. And obviously that's not good for a horse either. So uh, like I said, all of this, including the pergolide that you can give, it does not completely halt the progression of the disease, but it can lessen the clinical signs and improve their quality of life, even for a little bit. As I said, Cushing's in horses cannot be cured, and it often develops slowly over a few years. Like with Patty, I guess, you know, he was fine and then he started losing weight and then once we got through winter he lost a bunch of weight in the spring and it just seemed to, to accelerate but treatment can extend or improve the horse's quality of life but medication is expensive and once you start you need to maintain it Affected horses can often live comfortably if they're managed properly for at least a couple of years, but ultimately things like bouts of laminitis or infections are likely to necessitate euthanasia, as was Patty's fate. I will admit that researching this topic made me so sad Seeing the pictures just reminded me of Patty. I just couldn't help thinking back to that poor little pony. He was such a good little guy and didn't in any way deserve to meet such a devastating fate. But unfortunately, as you learn on a farm, that's just how life goes sometimes. Like I've always said, just keep a careful eye on your horse. You need to know your horse inside and out and be able to identify any changes, however slight, as soon as they happen. 
If you suspect something is off, stay on the safe side and call your vet. All right, everyone, that's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard and got some value out of the podcast today. If you did, I'd love if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast wherever you listen. Also be sure to check out A Cowgirl and Her Horse on Facebook and Instagram. You can also head over to anchor.fm to leave a voice memo. Ask a question, leave a comment, or just say hello. Lastly, be sure to check out acowgirlandherhorse.com slash deals for all sorts of exclusive offers and to get 10% off your entire order at horse.com. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, it's always a good day to ride.